Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The news continues. We want to hand it over to Wolf Blitzer in CNN tonight. Wolf? Anderson, thank you very much. We want to welcome our viewers here in the United States and around the world. I'm Wolf Blitzer, and this is CNN Tonight. 4 a.m. right now in Kyiv. Ukraine tonight is under a nationwide state of emergency. The country remains on high alert. As the United States warns, the Russians are ready, ready for a full-scale imminent invasion. Ukraine's President Zelensky told his nation tonight that Russian leadership has approved an incursion. And he tried, uh, he tried to call Vladimir Putin today, but was met with ominous silence. We are now awaiting an emergency meeting of the United Nations Security Council, an open session tonight, convening at the request of Ukraine. It's scheduled for a half an hour or so from now, 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And we will, of course, monitor that. We'll go there once it begins. Here's the latest assessment from the Pentagon. Russian forces uh, continue to uh, assemble uh, closer to the border. Um, and, uh, and put themselves in uh, uh, an advanced stage of readiness to, to act virtually uh, any time now. We, we believe that, uh, that they, are, um, they, are, they are ready. We all hope that we're wrong about this. But every indication we have uh, is that he is poised to attack Ukraine again, and, uh, and this time with what could be Uh, significant uh, military force. New satellite imagery shows a number of new Russian deployments, particularly in and around the eastern border of Ukraine. One battle group is deployed approximately nine miles east of the border. Many are within 10 miles of the country. uh, Lines that, that continue for about 50 miles from the Ukrainian city of Kharkiv. So that city in particular is of great concern because it's right up against the Russian border in the northeast. The Pentagon also believes additional Russian forces are moving into the Donetsk and Luhansk regions, two separatist-held areas in eastern Ukraine recognized as independent by Vladimir Putin on Monday. A senior U.S. defense official tells CNN Putin has two dozen warships, warships in the Black Sea. He has cruise missile capability, ballistic missile capability, armor, artillery, infantry, special forces, and only he knows the timing of his plan. But the White House has been trying to get ahead of him in recent days, revealing information about his plans and believes Putin has been improvising and adopting as a result. Our assessment is is that President Putin did not expect the United States to have the level of information that we have, did not expect us to put out this amount of information that we have put out. And what we're seeing now, uh, our assessment is that he is improvising, adapting, um, and we're having to respond and adapt his own actions to as we are even as we are responding to him. The U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman told me this evening Putin is poised to launch a quote war of carnage that could leave thousands on both sides dead, 
This is clearly a very, very dire moment. We have uh, global coverage uh, on another very uncertain evening right now. We have live reports coming in from Ukraine, the White House, and of course the State Department. But let's begin with our chief international correspondent, Clarissa Ward. She's joining us from Kharkiv in Ukraine right now. Clarissa, how dramatically, how dramatically has the mood shifted in Ukraine tonight? There's no question, Wolf. There has been a dramatic shift. This really feels now like a country that's holding its breath. I mean, just earlier today, the mayor of Kharkiv uh, put out an announcement on Twitter telling people to stay calm, to stay unified, to keep going to work, saying that city services are still functioning. And yet when we arrived here uh, late this evening, we found checkpoints going into the city. We also saw uh, on our drive from Kiev a, a large convoy of Ukrainian military vehicles. Uh, but most strikingly, honestly, is the shift in tone, Wolf, from Ukraine's leadership. You heard President Zelensky there switching from Ukrainian to Russian and directly appealing to the Russian people to try to help avert this catastrophe, saying, you know, there's nearly 200,000 troops on this border and your leadership has given them approval to cross in uh, to Ukrainian territory, to cross in to another country country's territory. And so clearly we are in a very situa different situation now than we were before. As recently as just a few days ago, uh, people here really didn't believe that this could actually happen. But now we're uh, learning that the airspace, uh, the Russians have closed the airspace to certain civilian aircraft in this part of the country. We know the Ukrainians have closed the airport here in Kharkiv. They've also closed two other airports. And I think there's a sense now of people just waiting to see what's going to happen. There isn't a state of alarm, as you can probably see behind me. It's the middle of the night. The streets are quiet. Um, but it will be very interesting to see what tomorrow brings. Will you start to see more preparations? Will you start to see people trying to leave the city? As I mentioned before, up until this point, Ukraine's leaders have really tried to tamp down any sense of panic. We heard President Zelensky saying as recently as last week that they didn't even believe it was possible to launch a full-scale invasion with the amount of troops that Russia had amassed at the border. There has clearly been a dramatic shift in tone and in the calculations that Ukraine's leaders are making. And so the question now becomes, is there anything that can be done to avert this catastrophe and to try to turn this situation around, Wolf? It really looks ominous. Uh, as I mentioned, Clarissa, you're there in Kharkiv. Uh, the U.S. Uh, had warned of particular concern for the city, that city where you are. What more can you tell us about what you're actually seeing right now on the ground? So on the ground, Wolf, you're seeing, as you can probably see behind me, it's incredibly quiet. It's the middle of the night. But this is a city of 1.4 million people, Wolf. And it is pretty extraordinary to be in a situation where we could be uh, potentially, or certainly seems we're closer to an actual imminent invasion of some sort or incursion of some sort. And we don't yet see any mass panic. We don't certainly even see any evidence uh, of evacuations. We know that there are public bomb shelters 
shelters, one of them not far from here. Everyone very clearly hoping that those will not be needed. Um, but when you look at those satellite images that you mentioned, just 10 miles on the other side of the border, so 50 miles from here, let's say, uh, it clearly shows that things are moving in a very ominous direction indeed. And so the question now becomes, at what point uh, does Ukraine's leadership start to instate, uh, you know, we know there's that state of emergency, and we've heard from the mayor of Kiev saying that, you know, that people shouldn't go out after a certain time, they should have their documents on them, and laying out a raft of kind of rules and regulations in this state of emergency. We haven't really seen that playing out here yet. And given the fact that this city in particular seems to be, at least in the the view of intelligence coming out of the U.S., on, on a sort of heightened state of alert, it'll be very important to see how uh, how this local municipality even starts to try to implement some measures uh, to protect the people of this city, Wolf. I want you to stand by, Clarissa. We're going to get back to you as we learn more. Stand by. Uh, right now, though, I want to check in uh, over at the U.S. State Department. Kylie Atwood is there for us tonight. So what's the word there at this hour, Kylie? Well, listen, Wolf, what we've been seeing from U.S. officials over the last few hours is them describing the alarming current force posture of Russian troops, right, saying essentially that they are as ready to go into Ukraine as they have ever been. One senior Defense Department official saying that Russia has close to 100 percent of the forces that the Pentagon believes that it needs to carry out a full-blown invasion into Ukraine. And 80 percent of those forces are in a posture of ready to go. So that is where we are at right now. U.S. officials are looking at what they see on the ground and they see that Russia is barreling forth towards an invasion. I want us to listen to how the secretary of state described what Russian forces have been doing in the last few days. Everything we've seen over the last 24 to 48 hours has Russia putting the final touches on having its forces in place across all of Ukraine's borders uh, to, uh, to the north, uh, to, uh, to the east, to the south, uh, to be ready for a, a full-on invasion. And one thing that we are seeing the State Department do this hour, Wolf, in real time is call out what the Russians are doing with these false flags. We saw uh, the State Department spokesperson Ned Price say that there is no evidence that Ukrainians are going after any of the separatists in those eastern uh, regions, those eastern areas of Ukraine. Of course, that comes as the Russians are claiming that the Kremlin has been asked to go and send forces into that area because the separatists need those forces to defend against Ukrainian aggressions. The State Department saying that is just plain false. And they're doing it in real time. It is significant because what they are saying is that we expected this. And now, as we are seeing it play out, we are calling it out for what it is, disinformation, a false pretext. Kylie, as you know, we're waiting for this emergency meeting of the United Nations Security Council this hour. Can anything come of that realistically at this late point? It's a good question. I think um, it's a significant moment for the international community to come once again uh, together and condemn what Russia is doing here as they maintain this aggressive force posture and could potentially uh, carry out this invasion. But this is more symbolic than it is anything else. It is more uh, political than it is anything else, because uh, what we could see from the United Nations tonight are a tremendous number of countries coming 
coming out against Russia. But there is no indication that as they have done that over the last few days in these uh, U.N. meetings, that it has changed anything about what what Russia is planning here. What, what is the U.S., Kylie, bracing for in terms of humanitarian assistance, the humanitarian impact if Russia were to launch a full-scale invasion? Wolf, rest assured, it is going to be an incredible humanitarian crisis. You heard that earlier this afternoon when you spoke with the Deputy Secretary of State. She was saying that this wouldn't only uh, be a war that was carried out by Russia's choice, but it would also be a war of carnage. And we know that U.S. intelligence assessments put the number of deaths of civilians in Ukraine, if there is an all-out all invasion, at tens of thousands. We also know of the Deputy Secretary of State talking about this as well tonight, that there would be a tremendous refugee crisis created, that there could be up to 5 million refugees that pour over Ukraine's borders and into Europe. So this won't only impact Ukraine, but it'll also impact the rest of Europe. Yeah, millions of refugees that would spill over first into Poland and then other European countries. Kylie, I want you to stand by as we await this emergency meeting of the UN Security Council. Right now, I want to turn, uh, turn uh, over to the White House. Uh, MJ Lee is on the scene for us over there. So what are you hearing, MJ, over there? Well, Wolf, there is certainly tonight a recognition at the White House of the real gravity of the situation. And really, over the last 48 hours, we have seen the urgency in the tone from U.S. officials, everyone from the president on down, incredibly intensifying. Of course, it started with the president saying yesterday that an invasion has begun. And then tonight, uh, from the Pentagon, uh, they said that they are ready to go, referring to Russian troops and suggesting that a full invasion was imminent. And since then, we have really seen a rapid rollout of sanctions against uh, Russia. We have heard uh, White House officials saying that more sanctions could definitely be on the way. And tonight, uh, we should note that White House officials and U.S. officials uh, definitely took note of this uh, dramatic speech from the Ukrainian president. And one of the reasons that it was so significant is because this is a leader, as U.S. officials know very well, in the past, at times, uh, has been reticent to even and talk realistically about uh, the possibility of a full-scale Russian invasion, in part because we know uh, he didn't want to uh, set off panic uh, among his own people. So the tone of his uh, voice uh, in the remarks that he made as he essentially sort of pleaded for peace uh, and spoke directly to the Russian people, that was something that U.S. officials certainly took note of. And if you need a sign of just how much this is at the top of the president's agenda, we got uh, his his schedule for tomorrow and one of the first things that he will be doing is going to the Situation Room and convening a meeting, a virtual meeting with G7 leaders. So uh, again, this is a rapidly evolving situation that U.S. officials are watching very, very closely, Wolf. Yeah, as they should. Uh, MJ Lee at the White House will get back to you as well. Once again, we're awaiting this emergency uh, U.N. Security Council meeting on this crisis in Ukraine as we monitor our live signals from inside Ukraine right now. And as we wait, we're going to walk you through what a full-scale Russian invasion could look like with one of our top military analysts standing by. We'll be right back.
Tonight, Ukraine is bracing for what could be a full-scale invasion by Russia. The U.S. believes it's imminent. President Zelensky also says Vladimir Putin has ordered an, invest, an, an, an invasion. Let's go live uh, to see as Matthew Chance. He's in the capital of Kiev for us. Uh, the president, President Zelensky, Matthew, as you know, said he tried to call Putin today, was met with silence. Uh, was this a last-ditch attempt to avert a full-scale war? I think it was, yes. And it it didn't just end with a phone call because uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, also uh, posted an address um, on on social media in which uh, for a period of it, he spoke in Russian and he spoke directly to Russian people saying, look, you've been told. And it was a very emotional appeal. He said, look, you've been told that Ukrainians need to be freed, but we're already free in this country. He said, you've been told that you know, we hate your culture. We hate Russian culture. But of course, how can you hate any culture? He, he said that there are differences between the two countries, but there was no reason uh, for them to be enemies. And so it was this, you know, as I say, very emotional, direct appeal uh, to Russia, you know, having failed to speak directly to the leadership to get them to call whatever they've got planned um, off. And so it does indicate how seriously and how tense the situation is here. Uh, that's sort of reaffirmed by the fact that a state of emergency has been imposed inside Ukraine across uh, the vast majority of the country, obviously not in the, the, the rebel provinces that have been recognised by Russia now. Uh, and that means that there's a curfew uh, from 11 o'clock at night. It means there's extra security outside key government buildings and transportation uh, hubs. And it also means that people who are signed up for the reserves in the military are not allowed to leave the country in case they're actually needed to fight what could be an extraordinarily um, bloody war. The, the big concern at the moment, Wolf, is the, is the region in the east of the country of Donbass, where the rebel groups there that have recently been recognised by Russia have been claiming there's been an upsurge of shelling uh, by uh, Ukrainian government military forces into, into that area, particularly into Donetsk, the main, one of the main rebel cities there. And they've appealed directly to Moscow uh, for military assistance uh, to help them defend, as they would characterise it, against that military attack by the Ukrainian military. Of course, the Ukrainians deny there's any such attack underway and they deny they're planning to take back that region by military force. But if the Kremlin uh, grant uh, that assistance, it could open the floodgates to thousands of Russian troops who are gathered near the border of Ukraine right now to go into uh, that region uh, and to uh, and to uh, for that for that invasion that's been widely tipped by U.S. intelligence and others uh, to take place very soon. Just just very quickly, I, we're up on the top of the roof of the hotel in central Kiev uh, that that we're staying in, and of course the U.S. intelligence has been passed on uh, to the Ukrainians is that there could be you know imminent attacks uh, occurring in places all over the country, including here in the Ukrainian capital Kiev, and you know this is the the sort of panorama we've got from this this view from from the south to the east all the way to the north of course russia is in is in that general direction there uh, to the sort of northeast of of here and, and so you know we're keeping a close eye on the situation and i can tell you ukrainian officials that i've spoken to tonight are saying that they are also sort of bracing for the possibility of there being some kind of attack perhaps here perhaps elsewhere in the country by russia uh, in the yeah, possibly in the hours ahead, possibly in the days ahead. We will stay in very, very close touch with you, Matthew. Be careful over there. Uh, as you learn more, we'll, of course, get right back to you. 
Right now, Ukraine remains on very high alert as Russian forces uh, continue to amass at its borders. President Zelensky now warns an invasion could be triggered at any moment. The latest satellite imagery shows new deployments northeast of Ukraine in Russia, just miles, miles from the Ukrainian border. For the latest on what these military moves could mean, CNN military analyst, retired U.S. Army Major General Spider Marks is joining us right now. Uh, General, the, the satellite imagery shows that this new buildup is within only 10 miles of the Ukrainian border and less than 50 miles from the Ukrainian city of Kharkiv. Uh, what does that tell you? Yeah, well, I, I tell you, Wolf, what we're seeing as a result of the great work by the CNN correspondents, commercially available imagery that you've shared, uh, the analysis that the administration has relieved, released, and then certainly open sources of intelligence, really shows us that there is a significant buildup of forces right there. We've seen the cell phone vi- uh, footage. We've seen the imagery. And what that tells you is there is a real possibility, only 30 miles from the border to the second largest city in, our, in um, Ukraine of Kharkiv, that forces could come across here at any time. And, and let's be frank, the forces have been available over the past couple of weeks, could have initiated this. And what you see President Putin doing is decreasing his risk. He's going through risk mitigation measures right now, which increases his logistics, his medical supplies, et cetera, and additional forces. But additionally, we've seen lots of footage of activity down here, which could provide movement into this area, which is where the separatists have been for the last eight years fighting alongside Russian soldiers. And here is the rest of the Donbass region. So one of, here's what I think is gonna probably happen. Movement will occur here if it hasn't already. Additional movement into this area would be significant military operations. There would be killing. There would be blood that would be as a result of these engagements. Simultaneously, the commander on the ground now has an option to put these Ukrainian forces in a vice coming from this direction and coming from this direction. But also bear in mind, it gives him an option. This is the second largest city in Ukraine, as I indicated, which means they've got roads, they've got networks, they've got the ability to move stuff around. They could come in here and also threaten Kiev because there are also forces up here as well. Yeah, there are forces all around Ukraine right now, maybe 190,000 Russian troops. Uh, General, we'll get back to you as well. Thank you very much for that explanation. Any moment now, the United Nations Security Council will begin its emergency meeting on the crisis. We're watching for that meeting to begin. Stand by. We'll, you're looking at live pictures coming in from the U.N. right now. There's the U.N. Secretary General. Uh, also, uh, only Vladimir Putin himself knows his next move. But we're going to bring in uh, someone very familiar with how he operates for some fresh insight on Putin's thinking. The former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. There he is, Bill Taylor. He's standing by live. We will assess right after the break. We're waiting for the start of the uh, United Nations uh, Security Council. They're meeting an emergency session right now. We expect to hear from the U.N. Secretary General, Antonio Guterres. Uh, he will 
uh, we're told, open up this session. We'll also hear from the U.S. ambassador uh, to the uh, United Nations. The Russian ambassador will speak, the Ukrainian ambassador. We'll have extensive coverage of that. This is a critically important meeting. We'll get a sense of what's going on right now. At the same time, earlier tonight, there was an extremely somber message from the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky. Uh, watch this. We have no need for another Cold War, or a bloody war, or a hybrid war. But if we are attacked militarily, if they try to take away our freedom, our lives, our children's lives, we will defend ourselves. When you attack, you will see our faces and not our spines. Our faces. All right, let's discuss with the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor. Uh, ambassador, thank you so much for joining us. It's a critically sensitive, very delicate moment right now. Uh, as you heard, President Zelensky warning Russia, uh, at warning that Russia has ordered an invasion and that the uh, trigger could come at any moment now. How do you interpret this dramatic shift from the Ukrainian leader? So, Wolf, I think uh, it has become clear to President Zelensky um, that uh, President Putin could well do what he's been threatening to do. President Putin has clearly been trying to rattle President Zelensky, trying to, in, trying to intimidate, probably trying to intimidate President Biden as well. And, and as you saw tonight, President Zelensky is not rattled. He's grim. He's determined. I was in his office three weeks ago. He was, he was focused at the time. He wasn't as grim and, and, uh, and determined and, and a bit pessimistic as he is today. Back then, he was still of the view that there was not enough forces on his border to, to do a major invasion. Well, there's now enough forces on the border to do a major invasion, and that has gotten to President Zelensky. He has not folded. He has not conceded. He has not backed down, uh, but he is now worried as he should be. Uh, this could be very, very bloody. Uh, the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, uh, a woman you know, uh, I know her as well, uh, she told me earlier tonight that Putin has now closed the door to diplomacy. First of all, do you agree, has every diplomatic option for all practical purposes, uh, Ambassador, been exhausted? Well, if it's not impossible that President Putin could have a could have a change of heart. It's probably unlikely. Um, but if he wanted to avoid the bloody carnage that you just described, bloody on the, on the Russian side, it will clearly be terrible for Ukraine and Ukrainians, military and civilian. But it, there will also be many Russian soldiers killed. Well, if, uh, President Putin has not had to face a large number of Russian soldiers killed in the previous battles and the previous uh, operations uh, in, in Ukraine. He went into Crimea in 2014 without firing a shot. He has been in Donbass uh, for eight years. And just two nights ago, he went into Donbass under total Russian control. So he didn't lose anyone there either. He indeed has lost a couple of soldiers, Russian soldiers, during the eight years of, of battle, but he suppressed that. He has, he has tried to hide that. President Putin is worried about Russian soldiers dying, and they will die in large numbers if they go in and attack the, the Ukrainian military. He's got to worry about that, and he could have a change of heart. 
Well, we can only hope. Uh, what do you believe, Ambassador, is Putin's ultimate goal right now? Does he want, for example, to topple uh, President Zelensky? Does he want to occupy the whole of Ukraine? Uh, and then what? Well, if I don't think he wants to occupy the whole of Ukraine, if he doesn't have to, indeed, that's probably, that's probably an impossible task for, for the forces that he's got. He needs many more forces that, to occupy the entire country, a country the size of Texas. Um, he can't do that with 200,000 soldiers. He can't do that. What he wants, though, you got the right question. What he wants is control of Ukraine one way or the other. He thought he had control of Ukraine through the Minsk process by establishing these little proxy puppets, Luhansk and Donetsk, Donbass, in, in the body of Ukraine. And from, that, from those puppets controlling the body of Ukraine, he could control Ukraine's foreign policy. That's not working. That didn't work for him. So now he has to look for another way to get that control. His ultimate goal is control of Ukraine, bringing Ukraine back under Russian, Russian control. The 8,970. President Biden, uh, as you know, has responded with sanctions uh, in step with other Western allies. But what more needs to happen, Ambassador, if we see a full-scale Russian invasion? Every sanction in the book, to include sanctioning the central bank of Russia, uh, the SWIFT is not off the table. That should, everything, we should seize assets, everything that we can do to cripple that economy. Sadly, it has to affect Russian citizens, has to affect people around Putin. He has to be sanctioned as well. This is a war criminal. He has to be brought to justice in some way. That has got to be clear to him that this is a bad mistake. We're monitoring this UN Security Council meeting. Uh, once uh, it gets to the gist, to the important part, we'll of course have some live coverage of that. So stand by, Ambassador. Uh, the UN uh, ambassador is warning that this could create some 5 million refugees uh, out of U Ukraine. Uh, what will that mean for Poland and other countries in Europe that will have to absorb these Ukrainian refugees? Of course, it will be a big challenge. We've seen in the past where refugees from other parts of the world have come into Europe and caused, caused problems, political problems, humanitarian problems. This will be the same way. This, however, Ukraine is, is close to Europe. Indeed, it's part of Europe. Ukraine is, is historically European. Large parts of Ukraine have always been Europe. All right, hold on a so moment. Uh, hold on a moment, Ambassador. The uh, UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, uh, is speaking in the meeting of the General Assembly. But of course, it wouldn't make any sense to bother you reading again the same text that I'm sure you are all aware of. In between, during the day, a number of events took place. And uh, with your permission, Mr. President, I would like to ask Ms. Rosemary Di Carlo to be able to brief you on those events. But simultaneously, the day was full of rumors and indications that uh, a, of an offensive against uh, the Ukraine was imminent. In the recent past, there were several situations with similar indications similar rumors. And I never believed in them, convinced that nothing serious would happen. 
I was wrong. And I would like not to be wrong again today. So, if indeed an operation is being prepared, I have only one thing to say from the bottom of my heart. President Putin, stop your troops from attacking the Ukraine. Give peace a chance. Too many people have already died. Thank you, Mr. President. I thank the Secretary General for his introductory remarks. All right. Uh, so there, uh, there you have uh, strong, very strong words from Antonio Guterres, the United Nations Secretary General. Uh, give peace a chance. Too, ma too many people have died. Uh, he says he was always pretty upbeat that this moment would not occur. He said, I was wrong. Uh, and he said to President Putin, stop your troops. Uh, Bill Taylor, you've uh, watched a lot of UN uh, meetings, UN Security Council meetings. Uh, this meeting with the Secretary General opening up with these strong words, it underscores how dangerous this moment is right now. Throughout the day, we've seen disturbing... It does, Wolf. It's a very dangerous moment. Uh, it is sad that the Security Council can't do anything about it. One would have hoped years ago uh, when the Security Council, when the UN was put together, that this, this organization would step in somehow and stop this kind of war. But it's clearly not. The, the Russian is actually in the chair right now. The Russian is in the chair of the Security Council right now. And so the UN Security Council cannot really do anything other than just bring attention to this crime that's about to be committed by one country, one big powerful country against its neighbor, against its sovereign neighbor. I'm anxious to hear uh, what the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, is going to say. She's there, uh, and she's going to be delivering a major statement on behalf of the United States government, on behalf of President uh, Biden. Uh, we'll be listening very carefully to her words, right? We absolutely will. Uh, the Security Council has met before. She gave a great speech. Secretary Blinken gave a great speech at the Security Council. Uh, as well. They have put the Russians on notice, and yet the Russians seem oblivious. The Russians seem not to hear. The Russians seem intent on controlling Ukraine, on dominating Ukraine, on bringing Ukraine back under their control without regard to international law, without regard to the UN Charter, without regard to any of the commitments that the Russians have made to the Ukrainians and to the international community over the years. Without any regard for that, they seem to be poised to invade. All right, we're going to continue to monitor this emergency meeting of the UN Security Council. Uh, Rosemary DiCarlo, the Undersecretary General for Political uh, and Peacebuilding Affairs at the UN, is speaking. We'll monitor what she's saying. We'll wait for the U.S. Ambassador to the UN to address uh, the Security Council. Let's take a quick break, resume our special coverage right after this. This is CNN Breaking News. Major breaking news we're following right now. Uh, we're uh, monitoring the UN uh, Security Council emergency meeting underway. We anticipate that the U.S. Ambassador 
to the UN. Linda Thomas-Greenfield will be speaking momentarily, outlining the U.S. position uh, as, uh, as it ex unfolds right now, given the fact that uh, U.S. officials believe that uh, the, the Russians are now on the verge on the verge of launching a full-scale invasion. Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the U.S. Ambassador, is speaking. And for your remarks tonight. Colleagues, a few moments ago, I spoke to President Biden, who asked me to convey in the strongest possible terms his and our steadfast support for Ukraine and support for the urgent meeting this council has convened tonight. Furthermore, he asked me to share that the United States and our allies and partners will continue to respond to Russia's actions with unity, with clarity, and with conviction. We are here tonight because we believe, along with Ukraine, that a full-scale further invasion into Ukraine by Russia is imminent. Tonight, we're seeing the Russians close airspace, move troops into Donbass, and move forces into combat-ready positions. This is a perilous moment, and we're here for one reason and one reason only, to ask Russia to stop, return to your borders, send your troops and your tanks and your planes back to their barracks and hangars, and send your diplomats to the negotiating table. Back away from the brink before it is too late. Last week, the United States informed this council and the world about what we expected to see unfold. We said that Russia would manufacture a pre pretext for an attack. We have since seen numerous false flag events staged along the line of, line of, lines of contact in Donbass. We said Russia would theatrically convene emergency meetings at the highest levels of the Russian government. We all saw this on Monday with the state televised Security Council meeting held by President Putin, an orchestrated moment in which the Russian government decided to recognize as, and I quote, independent states, unquote, sovereign territory of Ukraine controlled by Russia's proxies since 2014. They literally violated Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity on live television before the world. We said that false proclamations would come declaring Russia would need to defend Russian speakers in Ukraine. We got that and much more from President Putin's speech on Monday and during the speech of the Russian ambassador in the General Assembly today. No one could have predicted just how dangerous, inciting, and far-reaching President Putin's speech would be, with Putin arguing for taking the world back in time to an era of empires and colonies. Finally, we said the attack would come next, that we could expect communications to be jammed, cyber attacks to shut down key Ukrainian institutions. Last week, we attributed to Russia denial of service attacks against Ukrainian banks, and we saw similar activity this morning targeting government sites as well. 
And in the last few hours, we have received very concerning reports of destructive malware placed on hundreds of computers and executed on at least some. After that, we said, would come the bombs and missiles, the soldiers and the tanks. Already soldiers have been deployed to the occupied region of Ukraine. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here tonight because we believe the rest is imminent. Now, over the past few weeks, Russia has called our predictions hysterical. Russia said we were lying. Russia said we were supplying the world with misinformation. Russia's diplomats even laughed in the face of the human suffering we were sounding the alarm about. But what we said would happen has come to pass for all the world to see. So let us be clear. All parties are not culpable here. There's no middle ground. Calling for both sides to de-escalate only gives Russia a pass. Russia is the aggressor here. Russia's attack on Ukraine is tantamount to an attack on the UN and every member state in the chamber tonight. The Security Council is charged with adjudicating threats to peace and security. Russia is bypassing it's entirely, Russia is bypassing it entirely and taking matters into its own hands. And that undermines the institution. It undermines everyone who participates in it. The United States, Ukraine, its allies and partners across Europe, UN officials, every other member of this Security Council we have all repeatedly implored Russia to engage at the diplomatic table. Those calls were not heard. Instead, tonight, Russia has brought its people, the Ukrainian people, and the world to the brink of a conflict that will produce an untold amount of human suffering. I said it in the General Assembly this morning, and I'll say it again tonight. Everyday Russians should be asking themselves right now how many Russian lives Putin will sacrifice for his cynical ambitions. Responsible members of this Security Council will stand together and we will stand with Ukraine. And we will, we will do so despite a reckless, irresponsible, permanent member of the Security Council abusing its powers to attack its neighbor and subvert the UN and our international system. This morning in the General Assembly, we saw dozens of leaders from across the globe stand up to defend the UN Charter and Ukraine against Russia's brazen attacks. We were proud to stand with them. Today I had the opportunity to meet with Ukrainian Foreign Minister Kuleba and many of you were in the General Assembly Hall this morning when Foreign Minister Kaleba received enthusiastic and overwhelming applause after his remarks. Since he could not be here this evening, I would like to conclude by echoing his words. This morning he warned us all that, quote, 
No one will be able to sit out this crisis if President Putin decides that he can move forward with this aggression against Ukraine. Your governments and your people will face painful consequences together with our government and our people, unquote. He is right. History tells us that. And we must confront this threat head on in this council, in the UN, and in our capitals. The people of Ukraine are counting on us. Let's not let them down. Thank you, Mr. President. I thank the representative of the United States for her statement, and I now give the floor to the representative of the United Kingdom. Well, we're going to continue to monitor Mr. the United <coughs> Nations President. Security Council emergency meeting, but we just heard some very powerful words from uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. She did not mince any words. She said that uh, a full-scale further invasion of Ukraine by Russia is now imminent. She said this is a perilous moment indeed. Fareed Zakaria is with us. Bill Taylor is still with us. Fareed, uh, let me get your thoughts right now. Uh, it looks like a full-scale war uh, if it already hasn't started, is about to begin. Well, that's certainly the signs are pointing in that direction. And as Augusta Thomas pointed out, uh, Greenfield Thomas pointed out, uh, U.S. intelligence in this regard, on this issue, uh, in this period, has been unerringly accurate. Um, the fact that the Russians have closed down the flight space uh, is one more sign. Uh, the, 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 what we do not know is what the ultimate aim of this of this military intervention will be this phase of it is it to take control of the entire donbass as you know president putin recognized these two republics uh and in their constitutional what they claim as their constitutional area which is about twice as large as the the, the land they actually control so are they trying to do that or is this actually a march on Kiev itself, on the capital, in which case, uh, in either case, we're in for some very bloody warfare. But if it is a march to Kiev, this is going to be like nothing we have seen really since the Second World War. Yeah, it's it's imminent. She kept saying that, uh, Bill Ambassador Taylor. She kept saying this is imminent. Uh, there is uh, the, the Ukraine. Ukraine right now, thanks to Russia, is on the brink of war. And Wolf, she also said that there's no justification. President Putin seems to be desperate to find a justification. He's in, encouraging these puppet governments, uh, these two LNR and DNR puppet governments that he's recognized to somehow give him the justification. So they've been asking him to come in and help them. They've been trying to get the Ukrainians to attack them so that they can call in the Russian military to attack them and, and trigger this invasion. President Putin has nothing to tell the world about why he is invading Ukraine. He has nothing to tell. And so that's what Linda Thomas-Greenfield was saying when she was talking eloquently there at the Security Council. If it happens, uh, Fareed, let's say there is a full-scale uh, invasion of Ukraine right now by Russia. Uh, then what happens? Uh, walk us through what you envisage. Everybody seems to think there would be an enormous number of casualties, uh, civilians and military, plus millions, potentially millions of refugees. 
So, as I said, let's think about it in two stages. First, you imagine they try to recapture the area that they claim is part of these these phony independent republics. And I think Bill Taylor's point is very well taken. The Ukrainian government has so far showed extraordinary restraint. They have been shelled up on, they have been attacked. Uh, the ceasefires have been violated every hour. And the Ukrainian government so far has not responded. But that will not persist. If this new intervention takes place, the Ukrainian army will start fighting back. Now, the Russian army is the largest land army in Europe. So it is an unequal contest. But the Ukrainians have two things going for them. The will to fight to defend their own country and a lot of fairly sophisticated military hardware that has been given to them by the United States over the last few years. Um, I think you are likely to see a, a very bloody uh, war. Unfortunately, uh, again, as I said, the Ukrainians are outmatched. The Russians have a very formidable force, but the Ukrainians will fight. They will fight hard. They will fight to preserve their country. And most importantly, even if the Russians do, quote unquote, win, if they take a capital, if they take, uh, you know, the symbols and seats of power, the Ukrainians will keep fighting. Uh, and the Ukrainians will fight it through an insurgency. They will fight through various forms of resistance. Uh, I think that President Putin will be surprised to see that this is not going to be uh, this is not going to be an easy one, even if technically he is able to achieve some military objectives. You know, Ambassador Taylor, we've just learned uh, that uh, President Putin has just announced that a military operation has begun. Uh, he says to protect Donbass, this uh, disputed area, part of Ukraine, controlled in large measure by pro-Russian uh, sympathizers over there, as well as Russian troops. Uh, what do you make of this? Well, President Putin has a fine opening gambit. He is going to be able to push hard It'll be bloody, but he will be able to overrun or push through a determined Ukrainian resistance. Ukrainian military does have, as Farid says, it has sophisticated weapons, but even more important, it's got the will to fight, defend its own country, its own land. But the, 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 the Russian army will be able to push through. It's a big country. It's the size of Texas. The, the Ukrainian people will resist. The Ukrainian people will make, it, will make it hell for Russian occupiers. The Ukrainian government will presumably leave Kyiv. Um, it will set up somewhere else, maybe in the West, uh, but it, it will continue to support it. And the Ukrainian people will continue to support it. And the, the Russian opening is fine. The Russian, Russian they don't have an end game, Wolf. They don't have an end game. Yeah, we're going to continue our special coverage. Uh, I want to thank all of our viewers uh, for, for this special coverage tonight. I'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern in the Situation Room, 9 p.m. for CNN. Tonight, uh, we're continuing to monitor what's going on. Uh, our breaking news coverage continues right now with Don Lemon tonight. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country. Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.